I'm Barbara Bray. Welcome to my Rethinking Learning podcast, where I have conversations with inspirational educators, thought leaders, and change agents. I have someone who I just have been wanting to talk to for so long, and I can't believe I haven't had her on my show sooner because I just love her. It's Barbara Gruner. Barbara, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. What a joy. What a delight. Uh, it's it's fun because another Barbara. We could just, I mean, I'll be saying hi, Barbara, and you'll be saying thank you, Barbara. It'll be kind of confusing, but I love it. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I want to kind of introduce you to my audience and um going to boast about you a little bit. Is that okay? Um, <laughs> sure. Go for it. <laughs> Okay, Barbara Gruner loves the challenge of being an educator and staying current as things trend in and out of our field. I know you do that. (laughs) I'm watching you changing (laughs) and growing. Barbara especially enjoys working with people as they discover who they are, what they stand for, what motivates them, and what they want and need. Barbara is a coach, a mentor, a consultant, speaker. And I'm going to add writer uh, because I, I, you know, I love your book. You're, you're an author of What's Under Your Cape. And we're going to talk about that also. I, there's so much to talk about. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you. I've been following you on Twitter for a long time. And I got to tell you, I was tickled pink to get the message asking if I could be on your show. So grateful for you and excited about the message you put out into the world and, and, and how you tutor and how you love and how you connect. Thanks. Uh, well, let's just talk about our name. Okay. <laughs> we are connected by name. Now, I didn't ask you this. My mom says that my name was actually a former girlfriend of my dad. Now, I don't oh know. He kind of denies that, but I don't I don't really know exactly how I came about by Barbara, but I don't meet a lot of Barb's or Barbara's. How about you? Oh my gosh. You won't <laughs> believe this. I just found out from my cousin that I was named after a girlfriend, a formal girlfriend when my dad was in the service. No. He was, he was sick in England and he loved this nurse Barbara in Stop England. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> We're connected more than you know. Okay, and how about the middle name? What comes what goes with Barbara? Oh, Barbara Ann. Okay, I'm Barbara Suzanne, so close. <laughs> That's okay. Oh my gosh, but that is really weird. Okay, so now that we know we're both Barbaras and we were named after our dad's former girlfriend. Girlfriend, yeah, that's wild. That's kind of scary, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why don't you tell me about your life growing up then? Okay, so I grew up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin, a wayside Wisconsin. It's just south of deep here, about 20 miles in the Fox River Valley. Growing up a farmer's daughter is a really hard life, but it's also a chance to gain this amazing work ethic and responsibility, um, value, and and collaboration and teamwork. You know, the cows, the dairy cows, they don't they don't take holidays, they don't take vacation. <laughs> we don't get a break, but but we're always together and they're always there. So every day before school, I milked 250 cows. And then what? on my way, um, yeah, I got off the bus and milked them again. We milked them 
um, twice a day. Now the family farm is with my brother and my uncle and they still have it. It's about 156, 57 years strong. And they're milking 2000 cows three times a day. (laughs) But they must have it. It's different now because they have all the automation and it's different, isn't it? Yes, it's so different because they're milking 44 at a time and they have about 25 hired help. When I was growing up, we were the hired help. There were five (laughs) kids in my family of origin and and we had big families back then because we were were the help. We we built that farm and, and we helped my dad. My dad had this dream, big growth mindset and he modeled it and he did it. And he was one of the first milking parlors in the state of Wisconsin. And then he was the outstanding young farmer in the state of Wisconsin. And it was really fun to watch my dad and to learn and grow with him because he's totally one of my character role models because of my upbringing on that dairy farm. Wow. That is pretty amazing. Uh, 250 before you start school, right? (laughs) Yeah, as a first grader, as a second grader, as a third grader, we had to get to the barn by age five. So once we started school, we were schooled first in milking cows and um, doing the chores. And then we went to school to do our reading, writing, and arithmetic. Wow. I can't even imagine at five years old doing that, but that's you know, that's probably what you have to do if you have a farm like that. Yeah, it's just what we did. It was a living off the land. Wow. So you talked about being a student. What was that like? Right. So I was so excited to ride a school bus. My very first year, I actually rode a station wagon because we were in rural Wisconsin. But starting in the first grade, I got to ride a school bus. And it was scary because we thought we might miss the bus because sometimes we got into the house by 710 and we got on that bus by 720. So there wasn't a large turnaround time. But I absolutely loved first and second grade because of my teacher. My teacher was my great aunt Norma by day, but Miss Natsky in the classroom. So she was my dad's aunt. And she really taught by modeling. She taught for 50 years, Barbara, and she never married until she was 78 years old. (laughs) And, And then sweet uncle Adolf, oh my gosh, they had five beautiful years together. But her gift was making each and every one of us feel like her favorite. And I didn't know she did that for everyone. I truly believed she just did it for me. Um, At her funeral, they asked anybody who was Miss Natsky's favorite to stand up. And I'm doing like, I've got this. And I stand up with the whole entire congregation because she firmly believed we were all her favorites. And she was doing that unconditional positive regard thing before it was written down in textbooks. And and she just found a way to cultivate strengths in all of us. So much so that as a know-it-all little ADHD kind of kid, I she made me the teacher. She said, hey, go take so-and-so to the library and help them understand what we just did because she saw that I had that extra energy and passion and joy, and she helped me channel it in such a way that school was my jam. School wow. was my place. It was my sanctuary. Well, it's she sounds like an amazing person. Isn't that what we all want to be as a teacher is – be able to give that to all our kids so they all feel really special. I mean, that's a real gift. 
No question. I just wanted to be her. And she made me a teacher so young. I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get to the next class. But unfortunately, she didn't tell the next teacher that I was actually already a teacher. And that next teacher didn't really need my help. And she did a pretty good job of shushing me and scaring me. And it was actually kind of sad because I had come from this environment and first and second side by side watching second grade learn as I learned and then becoming the second grader and watching the first graders learn. The next two years were, were not as good for me. And in fact, I was pretty excited when I heard that she was moving at the end of fourth grade. And I thought, oh, that's good because then my sister won't have to endure that. But what I didn't know is that she was moving to fifth and sixth. Oh, (laughs) I had four years, four years of being scared and on high alert and walking on eggshells. And here's what the research says. A kid needs at least three good years to to recover from a bad year. Well, if you do the math, I should have never gone back to school. And um, really by seventh grade, I started with stomach aches. I think I made them up at first, if I'm really honest, until they became real And I missed most of seventh grade because I was home with a stomach ache. And um, I mean, we were doing x-rays. They thought I had ulcers, but, 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 but none of it was medical. It was all like that feeling of insecurity and, and fright. And, and so both models, you know, that's funny because you get to choose every day you get to choose. How are you going to make the kids in your care, feel. And um, I just wanted to be Aunt Norma. I wanted to get back to school and be Aunt Norma. Oh, I'm so sorry you had to go through that for four years. That's, you know, they do have research that says that uh, when kids are have anxiety, they don't, the only way they can show it is through physical pain, like through a stomach ache and right. things like that. So you must have been anxious and sad and yeah. There was no way to move to a different class because that was the only... Right. So that was our only third and fourth grade teacher and then our only fifth and sixth grade teacher because, again, rural Wisconsin in a small parochial setting. I had 11 kids in my graduation class of, of eighth grade. So until we went to the public setting, that was really our only choice. And I don't even remember ever complaining about her. But again, yeah, the physical, you know, it becomes psychosomatic and the physical that's the complaint. But when I grew up, your teachers, they were your superheroes and they were always right. So until I really dug into education myself, I don't even know that I knew it was maybe not best practice or maybe not right. Yeah. Well, you start blaming yourself. It's That's how kids are. They just think it's them and nobody, they don't have a sense of belonging if they don't have that connection. Right. So that's, that's probably why you went into you know, character ed and do it all of these because of the years that, I mean, that's what I've heard a lot of teachers that are doing this now had some experiences like that. Yes, no question. And and I just knew that I wanted to, to make it different. It's a little bit like the divorce situation I came from because after 25 years, mom and dad kind of called it quits and got divorced. I was in college and and when you go into a marriage as a child of divorce, at least for me, there was no way I was going to put my children through that. And some days I don't even like my husband and vice versa. He tells me he does not always like me, but we made this promise and, you know, we're basically working with intention 
to not be our parents because we both come from broken homes. And, and again, you can go either way. And certainly there are circumstances that warrant, you know, breaking up the family. But in our case, we've dedicated ourselves to making it work because of not wanting our children to go through what we had to go through. Yeah. Oh, that, but you were older, but you might've had, um, dissension and some problems through those years, the younger years, because sometimes divorce just doesn't happen overnight, right? It doesn't. It was 25 yeah. years in the making. And I actually became a counselor pretty early on because mom would come to me, dad would come to me, and I was kind of a mediator way before I really wanted to be. And so I saw it coming. We just didn't exactly know when. And and when you're kind of living in a war zone, there is kind of relief when that battle is over. Wow. So let's find out about your own family. You know, you said mentioned your husband, but you have children. Yes. So my husband um, proposed on his 30th birthday. And that very same year, we married on my 30th birthday. So we were a little bit late to the game. Um, He wanted four children. But, you know, when you don't marry till 30 and you have your first one at 32, four might not happen. But we we did bring three children into this world. Caitlin now is 26, has a degree in architecture from the University of Texas in Austin. And my son, Jacob, our second one, came 14 months later. So they were raised really as seasonal twins. He wow. has a master's degree from Texas A&M in chemical engineering and chemistry. He's now working for Samsung up in Austin. So he and our daughter are together in the same town. And that's so fun for them as adults He'll be 25 this month. And then our baby, which was our blessing baby, because I was 38 and we really thought we had one of each and we were done. He's now (laughs) 20 and studying chemical engineering as well in Aggie Land at Texas A&M. So people like to call that a house divided because it's the two rival universities in the state. But we prefer a house united because we found a way to make Aggies and Longhorns United as one in in our <laughs> Bruno gang, so to speak. What, what's your baby's name? You He's said, Joshua. Joshua, wow! That I love your the names. Yeah, thank and, you. And their and their stories they sound so successful. It sounds wonderful. Do they all get along? They they all get along. We're going to Great America or Six Flags Fiesta this weekend, and we're so excited to ride roller coasters together. I will tell you this summer, Joshua has been working at the Ace Hardware. And what's fun for me is every night he comes home and we talk about the sightings because it's a small town. We live in Friendswood, Texas. And who did you see today? And he'll talk about, you know, I saw this teacher or I saw that coach. One day, he's probably two most excited. The first one was his AP world history teacher. And he said, mom, you should have seen Mr. Rohr light up when he saw me at the cash register. Now the light up. Wow. If you've ever experienced the light up when someone says, there you are. And that's what Mr. Rohr did for Joshua like six years ago. So that was amazing. The other one was his piano teacher from the eighth grade. She is 91 now. And she came in the other day and she gave him a hug and So I said, did she really know you? And he said, well, no, she thought I was her grandson, Joshua, but I hugged her anyway. And I just (laughs) thought, what a beautiful connection. What a great opportunity to stand at the cash register at the local Ace Hardware and just reconnect with people. Oh, I, 
Oh, your kids sound wonderful. And that is the thing. When people recognize you and they remember you, it's so rewarding. It's and a because big you deal. and this is all in Friendswood. So they grew up there? Yes. We had our children here, all three of them in Friendswood. They all went through Friendswood High School. And um John and I are still here because my husband John has at least five more years at NASA. We live right across the highway from NASA, and that's where he works as an aerospace engineer. Wow. Well, that must be pretty exciting, uh, especially now. I mean, yes. there's some things that are happening. Oh, we'll have to talk a little later about <laughs> what he's doing, because that sounds really cool. I was a young a chapter leader for the young astronauts when I was working in the schools, in the elementary school. And, and I had so much fun learning all these things, but it wasn't anything like what was really going on. You're right there. I had right no idea. Here. Yeah. The, wow. um, the anniversary was super exciting. And the fact that the current administration has said, we would like to be back to the moon, to the moon in five years. So John often says he's kind of a science fiction writer because they write this stuff and then administrations change and we go in a different direction. But now he's really feeling there's a sense of urgency to get back now that China is there on the moon and just really get us back as the explorers we've historically been. Oh, that would, isn't that exciting? Isn't that so exciting? He said he has five more years, but maybe in that five years. Yeah. And then another five and then another five. Oh, yeah. He'll never be. He'll never arrive in the land of done. No, no, no. (laughs) I don't think you will either. (laughs) No. I mean, really, I, I, my husband's been retired for some time. I can't even see myself retired. I just feel like I have so much still to do and. And I know how you are. You're just amazing. But you had something happen to you in 2013. And I don't know if that, you might want to share that and if that impacted you toward the direction you're going now. Yeah, you know, it really did. I was on my way to get my son Joshua for a dentist appointment and to meet with the school counselors at the junior high where he was an eighth grader. It was 3.09 in the afternoon and this car on the road came into my lane and hit me head on. And I would find out later that she was actually on her way to get her second grader from school, um, four times the legal limit of alcohol blood content. So she was a drunk driver who actually, um, yeah, hit me head on and broke me physically in three places and psychologically in a lot, lot more. So Really, all of Joshua's high school years, I was in recovery. It's it's amazing what it takes to recover from a trauma like that. Um, post-traumatic stress, that was in January. By May, I was um, leaving school early to tend to my post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, ended up on some medication just so I was no longer having those out-of-body experiences where you're seeing everything from a bird's eye view, kind of that hypervigilance that's really hard to live with and manage if you've ever had a trauma. And of course, trauma isn't one size fits all, so it's different for everybody. But what the experience gave me as I worked with intention to reclaim my joy, it gave me a new appreciation for the trauma-informed, aware, and sensitive cultures that we need to create as we meet our 21st century learners. 
Um, It also gave me an appreciation for mindfulness because I never even knew the word savor until I had to slow down and savor by default because I was broken and I couldn't go fast anymore. And the whole thing that time is non-refundable that I very easily could have been um, hurt much worse in that accident or even taken when people see that vehicle, they sometimes think it was a fatality collision. Um, and just that second chance at life and and to say, how am I going to use my time? And how am I going to model to the kids that I have to forgive, even though this person never even apologized? And just this week, I saw an Oprah quote that said, forgiveness is about getting to the point where you can say, thank you for the experience. And, you know, I wasn't to a point as I hobbled along and tried to get through my son's high school years um, of saying thank you for anything to her. But I absolutely know that I am the person I am today because I traveled down that road of adversity and, and brokenness and dark, dark. Oh, some of those days were dark, deep despair trying to find my joy again and trying to reclaim who I was even as I bounced into my new normal, which every trauma bounces you into a new normal. And um, Joshua got so sick of the word recovery. And I didn't blame him. I was sick of it too. But it gave my daughter a voice for get a designated driver, just turn the keys over, just don't do what this person has done to my mom and um, man, giving a victim impact statement (laughs) in a court because the state of Texas did take her to court. That's really wild to, to face the person who has um, injured you and say, this, this is what you did. And, and please don't ever do this again. And, and then to get to that place of, of forgiveness and grace and, and, and prayer for her two children, you know, so she'll be done with her seven years probation in January. And, and I think that that will be an interesting time for me because January will be the seven year anniversary. Oh my gosh. What a story. It is hard to forgive. It's hard to forgive, but it's almost sometimes when you hold on to that feeling, that negative feeling, mm. it, it's like poison. It's it almost like, poison. You have to, but I always heard it's better to forgive, but not forget. And so what you did with your children is, I don't know about you, but I have a granddaughter who's 11 who someday will be driving. And I remember when my kids started driving, all I could think of is, please don't drink and drive. Please don't, Mm -hmm. you know, because you just don't know when you let go what they're going to do. I mean, I bet you they're very careful in what they even tell their friends. Yeah, I hope so, because if we didn't learn anything from the lesson, then it's wasted, right? Um, for sure, the distracted driving now, too. I see so many people with their heads down, and they're driving, and they're texting. And I want to say, please put that phone away, because all of the stakeholders, you know, it wasn't just me that she hit. It m- My school climate took a hit, because all of a sudden, the school counselor's not there, and she's there part-time when she does come back, and she's only half-heartedly there. And man, that was a whole entire semester, especially that those first six months of there were kids that needed me, and I couldn't show up for them wholeheartedly. And um, 
Yeah, it's it's not just one person that's affected. It's a whole it's a whole village. Um, choices have consequences, and sometimes they're really hard and painful. Well, in, I'm in California, and we have a law: no texting. They can't catch you texting. There's a fine. Wow. Now, I don't think I don't think Texas is there yet. But well, College Station has that for sure. That's the town where the boys go to to school because I've seen it posted, but. I don't guess the law necessarily matters that much to a lot of these people, but you know, it's just, it's just a good idea. Put the phone away. We didn't used to have to have those phones. We don't need them now. Put it away when you're driving. That would be one big takeaway from, from that drunk driving incident. Well, I thank you so much for sharing. That must've been difficult for you. And, and knowing that it's made you a stronger person, really. My husband has, because I've had situations and I'm not going to go into mine because I've had some trauma and some accidents and things, but he once said to me, it's a blessing and a lesson, a blessing. I like that. Yeah. I really, really like it because it's helped me understand that every experience you have, you can learn from and you can either make your choices. Like you said, you can move on or you can sit there and wallow in your pain if you want and not move on. It's up to you. One of the blessings was my one word for that year was gratitude. And I had already resolved to find gratitude in all things. So as I was laying on sunset, I said to the guy, listen, I'm supposed to be finding gratitude in all things. Kind of find that funny right now, but go ahead and tell me about yourself because I don't want to focus on my wrist. That's, you know, really, really hurting right now. I want to focus on you because I'm supposed to be mining some gratitude. And they put me in the same ambulance with her, if you can imagine. And she was raging and I was terrified. But Antonio told me his whole story while he kept me awake so they didn't have to IV me. And I found gratitude even in the ambulance ride. And so, again, blessing. I like that. The blessing. I'm going to use that. I'm oh, I'll share you. it with you. Yes, it's actually, not, it's not. It's actually someone's quote. So I'll share that. So you okay, can have. Yes, excellent. Yes. So let's move on because I mean I'm sitting here and almost wanted to cry when you're telling me the stories. But you always there's something about you, Barbara, that it just you turn things around and you being in an ambulance and talk, and asking for his story is so beautiful. Thank you. You bring that out. It's amazing. So, you know, you started in, as a counselor, you've learned a lot, but then you went into character ed. How did that happen? Well, in 1989, I was teaching high school Spanish and my school district met some community members and they wanted to start character ed. So they got these 14 traits. And then we got this edict from the superintendent. You are now going to put these things into your lesson plans. And we're teaching character. And I felt so incompetent. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. I'm doing the bullfight next week. Does that count? Good versus evil? Like, I didn't even know what they meant by write these character traits into your lesson plans. And so I did the best I could. I would say, boys and girls, we're having a quiz. Don't cheat. That counts as character ed, trustworthiness. And I kind of even mocked it, I'm sure. And then I realized in the year 2000, man, this stuff isn't going away. But I was now in elementary and 14 traits was way too many for like a five-year-old to remember. 
So I went to a character counts training and I brought that back to my district. And I said, listen, what if we just had six pillars of character and all 14 of your ideals fell nicely into those six pillars? And so the school board revisited the 14 traits and we still have them out there. But now we've board adopted the six pillars of character. And then it just seemed like, man, those those littles that can understand what it's like to be a good friend because I'm trustworthy or who can understand that I'm going to think first how I would like to be treated before I treat somebody unkindly or the or the little friends that want to know the word stakeholders. And after I taught it, they would say, Mrs. Gruner, get this. There's at least 10 stakeholders in this story. And to just watch these littles explode their character in directions like where we wanted them to go and where the community members from 1989 wanted them to go. And so I started applying for Texas State School of Character and my school became the first Texas State School of Character in 07. We got a committee and by 09, we were a national school of character. And it was fun to just kind of be the cheerleader and start as me and then flip the M in me to we and become a fruitful tree where we were like given this distinction of national school of character and schools came to visit us. And now a dozen schools have become national schools of character in neighboring districts because of us. And it's just like this character explosion for good because back in 89, those community members had a vision and I just ran with the baton. That's all I did. But it's all it takes, one passionate, caring adult, a cheerleader, if you will, to say, man, this is good, and this is what we need to do. That is amazing. <laughs> I have to tell you, I, uh, I mean, I look at bringing in the character counts, because I know Hans Apple, he, he did that also, right? And he mentioned some of the work that you've done. And so what I find is that I need to learn more about it, but I've learned it through talking to Hans and then out talking to you and how you brought in the six pillars and that's what your district is doing. Yes. And actually the district brought in Houston craft with character strong to renew our efforts just last August for all of the staff members. And then in January for the sixth and the ninth graders and to watch Houston, who's one of the co-founders of character strong, which is now only three years old. So for us, character counts morphed into character strong. And you know what? It's not so much about a curriculum. It's about a culture. And so it's the people and not the programs. And so to be able to fire up these kids and say, hey, now we're going to focus on eight essentials, but that doesn't make the six pillars go away. It's just going to fortify what we've been doing for you know 30 years. And, and basically, we just want to send these value-able children, these kids that are founded in something, out into the workforce. So, so I don't know, the world is a better place every day because of them, because of us, because of our forefounders and their vision. Well, maybe that's why you wrote your book. I love your book. Uh, What's under your cape? Yeah. So those were meant to be in the acrostic superheroes, 11 things that we want to focus on to help our kids 
gain character strength. And so service, S is for service and U, U is for unconditional love. That's my, you know, Aunt Norma chapter. And and P, P is for perseverance, you know, lessons from the farm. And E, E is for empathy, the one thing that we need every kid to bring in their backpacks, invisible and and real. Man, I love the work of Michelle Borba, Unselfie, and 32 other books. Empathy, man, elevating empathy. That's where it's at. Because the kindness isn't going to happen without the empathy, not if you want it to be sustainable. Empathy gives kindness its why. And when I first heard Michelle Borba say dormant empathy does no good, it changed the way I was modeling and teaching and living out empathy. And then when Brene Brown said, it's not about fixing, it's about saying you are not alone. Wow. It's all about empathy. And that's one of the chapters in my book. So I was really glad I covered that because those two women, man, they've got it going on. Well, you have it going on because you brought it down. (laughs) No, I mean, I, I love that you pulled the superheroes together. You explain each one of the you know, each letter leads to, you know, respect, honesty, enthusiasm, responsibility, obedience, encouragement, and self-discipline. Did I get them right? You did. (laughs) You brought superheroes. And really, superheroes act. What do they do? They see a need and they act. And they don't do it alone. They all have sidekicks. I love that. It's not just Batman. It's Batman and Robin. So really, I really talked about going from me to we And creating that synergy, that character development and social and emotional learning calls us to do. I'm trying to write all your quotes down (laughs) as fast as I can because um, I'm just, it's really fun. I mean, just listening to you, it's why you keep saying every time I go on Twitter, I look and it's kindness matters, spreading love you know, gratitude. You keep talking about all of these things and it just touches my heart. It's just so wonderful. And we'll definitely put a link to your book and make sure people get it because it's so wonderful. And you started, what was it? You retired in recently, right? Well, yeah, I I just, I needed a break. Hurricane Harvey had come through and and flooded 3,000 of our homes and personally affected 55 of our kids and 12 of our staff members. So my very last year with Friends with ISD, I was just doing triage going 90 to nothing. And so at the end of 2018, May of 2018, shortly after Santa Fe, the last shooting, which 20 minutes from my house happened, I just said to my principal, "I, I think kids deserve better. I've got compassion fatigue and I'm wearing down and I want to pass the baton to somebody else. So I started my Encore career working with Character Strong and doing some freelance. I also helped Character Strong write their Purposeful People Toolkit for Elementary. But just two weeks ago, a job has found me again. So in addition to my Encore career, and I am going to continue to speak and write, I'm going back to Whitcomb Elementary down the road in Clear Creek, and I'm going to be a giraffe, and I can't wait to be a giraffe and stick my <laughs> neck out. Oh, I get to be a zoo animal. I'm so excited. It's wait a part- minute. Wait. It's good. Okay. I know, part-time, but this, Barbara, is a dream job. I get to mentor new teachers and help them put morning meetings into place. 
I get to mentor the new counselor. She's only been there a year and she's invited me to come mentor her. And I get to mentor children with tier three behavior issues. And I am going back into school. I can't wait to go back to school. I got to go get my new school outfit. I am going back to school after Labor Day. So I'm not retired after all. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Is it full-time? That's going to be part-time because I still want to do my presenting. So part-time, three days a week. Oh my gosh. This is so fun. You said as a giraffe. Now I'm kind of confused. Well, that's their mascot. I've always been a Mustang for most of my career here in Friendswood. So I get to be a giraffe and I actually have a giraffe puppet. And so I'm hoping to borrow that from the school where I left it. And then I'll have a giraffe puppet and my ukulele. And it's going to be amazing. (laughs) Oh, well, I, gosh, I want to go on, but I'm actually... (laughs) (laughs) running out of time here. So what I can say is, Barbara, is there anything you want to add? Because I know you always put a corner on character and you do a lot on SEL. Is there anything you'd like to add before we end here? Oh my goodness. Your questions have been amazing. Thank you for letting me um, share my story. I think it's so important that we stay in the moment and that we unwrap the present. And I know that can sound trite and, and oh, like a poster on the wall. And sometimes my husband calls me to task. And so I have to explain myself. My, my mindfulness mantra has been, be where your feet are. And even more importantly, be where your heart is. And so I really just want people to continue to remember, what is your why? Why are you doing this? And and if you're not with your why anymore, go find it so that you can show up wholeheartedly and be your most passionate self, your very best. Kids deserve it. Kids need it. Kids count on us. If you can't show up wholeheartedly, take a mental health day. Mental health is not something that we can leave to chance at all. So show up mindfully aware judge less, love more, and just be your best you because somebody out there is going to need that you sooner probably than later. Oh my goodness. You don't even know how that touched me. Thank you. Oh my, that is perfect. Perfect way to pull all this together. Barbara, you are, you are just, I, I can't tell you what a gift. What a gift. Thank you. I really appreciate that you would want me on your show, that you would want me to help inspire your um, your listeners. You offer so much support and mentorship to those of us that are still in the field every day. And I don't care what age you are. Even that new principal said, heck, you can even mentor me if you want to, because who amongst us doesn't need a mentor. So thank you for your mentorship and for your love and your unwavering support for those of us that still get to do the holy work. And I mean, you're still doing it too, right? So just in a different form or fashion. And if you're ever in Texas, please come to Friendswood and sit poolside with me. Well, I was just going to ask you, coming into California, you're staying here. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Well, friends forever with the same name too. (laughs) Lots of good stories. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning Podcast. 
and my conversation with Barbara Gruner. Make sure you check out the complimentary blog post about Barbara and her amazing story, along with the resources and links she shares. Please subscribe to the podcast. We welcome your review and to share out the post with the podcast. You can also subscribe to my website, barbarabray.net, to receive announcements and updates so you don't miss any of the conversations.